0: Hey, everybody, welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 159, and my guest is Stephanie Bruce. Stephanie has been on the podcast before. She was episode 130. I had her on right after she won the Peachtree 10K over the summer, and I'm honored to talk with her again. I've really gotten to know some of these Nazelite athletes and their coach Ben as well. And I was excited to get to chat with Stephanie after she had such a phenomenal fall. Steph was training for the New York City Marathon this year and she ran and placed 11th. She didn't quite have the race that she wanted to have and she decided, what the heck, I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to go for CIM. Well, at CIM she placed second and ran a personal best in a time of 2.29.21. Now the crazy thing about this record is that she turned it around. She ran this PR so quickly after New York, but it's also a record that she had held. So she broke a personal record that she had held since 2011 before she had both of her kids. So this was a long time coming and a really exciting time because it just proved how much more she has in her tank. In this episode, Steph and I get to talk about her decision, along with her coach, Ben Rosario, to go ahead and run CIM and what that looked like, how she felt during the race, what that turnaround was like coming off New York to CIM, and what her future goals are, what she's looking at in 2019. I felt this way the first time I talked to Steph, and I felt this way again after I talked to her this time. She's a really comforting, calming voice. Yeah, I know she's so fierce and fast when she competes, uh, but she's just that kind of person that you wanna be friends with. I can feel that when I talk to her, that I would love to just sit down and have a glass of wine with her. I really hope you guys enjoyed this conversation with Steph. And before I get talking with Steph, I want to thank Coros for supporting this episode of the podcast. This is my new favorite watch, you guys. I learned about them at the running event in Austin, Texas this year, and Glenn and I have both been wearing them ever since. The accuracy of this GPS watch is amazing, and it can track so many different activities, including swimming. I love that it tracks your cross training, and some of my most recent guests on the show are active users and longtime users of the watch, like Sally McRae and Camille Heron. Now, Chorus Watch has a really long battery life, but this watch isn't just for trail runners. This is for the marathon runner, the 10K runner, the 5K runner as well. Another cool thing it does is it tracks your sleep. I am not wearing that watch to bed to track my sleep because I don't even wanna know how few hours of sleep I get every night, but my husband, Glenn, wears it and his sleep is pretty much off the charts. (laughs) They also have the Apex 42 millimeter, which is one of just a few watches on the market that fits a very small wrist. You guys can all try this watch out. Check it out for 10% off. Use the code ANOTHER to get 10% off the watch. Just go to coros.com to check them out and use that code ANOTHER. And you guys can let me know if you have any questions about the watch as well. A good place to do that is over in my Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. We have a Facebook group and you can ask me any kind of question over there, whether that's about the show, training, sponsors of the show, anything at all. Thank you, Koros, for supporting this episode of the podcast. All right, you guys, let's go ahead and enjoy this conversation with
1: Steph Bruce.
0: Welcome to the show, Steph. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Lindsay.
0: Are you like just now getting back from vacation?
1: You know, when you have toddlers, as (laughs) you know... I I call it more traveling than vacation, but um, no, it was really fun. I took the boys out to Hawaii for a few days, so um, part of it was vacation for sure, but part of it was um, still being a mom. (laughs) I
0: was actually going to ask you that as a follow-up question, um, because we just went to Florida with all of our kids a couple weeks ago, and it was really fun, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a trip, not a vacation, because especially when you're by water, you're just like on alert 24-7.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and since neither of my boys can completely swim yet and it was just me, um, I'm just like totally flanking them the whole time. But honestly, the the beach was really fun because they know not to go in too far, but they can still get their water fixed and get their sand fixed. So and honestly, waking up every day in Honolulu to like that beautiful sunrise was um, that was as good as a vacation as I could ask for.
0: Yeah. So we're talking to Steph Bruce here and we're going to do a little more vacation talk and then we'll get right into some running talk, but I did notice that you were there solo. So that's even more difficult to not have um Ben with you. So you were just traveling by yourself, you had some friends with you?
1: Yeah, you know, it was kind of crazy enough. It was my choice. It was um the week before CIM. And one of my friends, Rachel Schneider, was running the Honolulu Mile. And she's like, you should totally come out. And I was going back and forth. And then I just looked up flights. I'm like, you know what? It's been a really long year of training and racing. And I'm just going to do it. So I booked it very last minute um, because Ben had to actually go coach at Club Cross Country Nationals in Spokane. And I don't know, part of me wanted to see if I could do the challenge of traveling as a single parent with two toddlers. And I feel like I can kind of do anything in the world now that I've done a seven and a half hour flight uh, by myself with them.
0: Okay. We have to talk about that really quick too, (laughs) just because I'm so intrigued. I mean, we flew to Florida and that was two hours and we're, you know, we're, there's four of them and two of us. So it's, you know, we're two on two, but our older ones are four and six. So having the six year old is helpful because he's, you know, you don't have to do everything for him, but seven hours and aren't your boys, are they three and four?
1: Yeah, they're three and four.
0: Because the three-year-old would be—I mean, th- those are, those. <laughs> you know what? It's hard because everybody says two is hard. Everybody says three is hard, but they're all hard for different reasons. So, did they sleep? What What did that look like?
1: Yeah, well, three is—I would say—the hardest age because yeah. they're just coming into their own personality, and you know, one minute they're the best independent player, and the next minute they're like you're not my friend. I don't, I I literally, he says that to me. He's like, you're not my friend anymore. And he's name calling. And I'm like, this kid is unbelievable. He's three years old. And, you know, he's acting like he's 21 and I've ruined his life already. So, um, I, we kind of timed it pretty well where, the boys are on such a good schedule. The first part of the flight, they slept about an hour five. So that looked really funny because I was in the middle and I just had their two heads on my lap. Aww. Um yeah, that was pretty cute. So they slept for that portion, and then they both have a little like um, Kindle, so I let them watch some movies and TV shows. That probably took up maybe two hours. And then we have this um, these little magnetic building blocks that they played with, and then it's literally just back and forth trying to be like, Oh, do you want to play with Iron Man? Mm -hmm. Here's a book. Here's crayons. Look at this magazine. And then it got to a point where Hudson was just ripping pages out of the magazine. And I'm like, you know what? I don't care if that's annoying people on the flight. Like, it's keeping him busy. So, yeah. And then we would just take trips to the bathroom, have snacks. So, it's about constantly, like, moving and keeping them, like, doing something and engaged the whole time.
0: Yeah. I mean, people – ripping papers, people, that's better than them screaming or kicking your seat. Um, I know my, my three-year-old or he's, he's actually my old, my second oldest is still three. I can't believe he's only still three, but he'll be four next month. But he just kept saying that plane ride was kind of boring, <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? I know um, they, they have no filter.
0: No. And you know what? Like on, on that same Note with the three year old, and then we'll move on from kids because some people listening are probably like, "Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just yesterday, first of all, my biggest struggle with my three year old right now is socks like, every sock doesn't fit right. He says it hurts when it's uncomfortable, it's (laughs) like getting socks on is so hard. But yesterday, now don't cry, everybody, because this sounds sad, but um, he came around at the end, he goes, I don't want a mommy, I just want a daddy. And like my heart I was like you don't really need to be sad about that Lindsay he's three but my heart was like a little bit broken and I was like but if I wasn't here wouldn't you wouldn't you be sad and then he kind of came around and he said he said he wanted me to go away but then he said well I'll go with you
1: right? I know they change their mind too, like every second.
0: So I'm like, okay, if you'll go with me, then okay. All right. Um, have your way. All right. So let's talk about running. So congratulations on CIM second place, new PR.
1: Thank you. Thanks so much.
0: How are you feeling?
1: Um, I'm good. You know, it was it was uh, a long time coming for sure. And it was kind of a little bit of a gamble uh, coming back to the starting line of a marathon after New York, which was only 28 days before that. But I just kind of had a feeling deep down that I wanted to try this and roll the dice and see what happens. Um, and I was so lucky. Coach Ben Rosario was on board and it was beautiful weather on the day. Uh, Yeah. And it kind of just all came together. So my I'm always reminded by my agent that even if it's a second, a PR is a PR, because that means that the best you've ever been, you know, Mm -hmm. sometimes in running, we will be so obsessed with finishing a race PRing, and then thinking, oh, I had more in me or now I know I can do this next time. But we forget, just celebrate like that. You actually accomplished the PR on that day. So I felt very content.
0: That's the best you've ever been. That's good. Yeah. That Josh Cox, he's a smart guy, huh?
1: He is. He is.
0: Um, all right. And am I wrong? Tell, Correct me if I'm wrong. Was your PR 229.25 from 2011 in Houston?
1: Uh, it was 229.35. Oh, but yes. 35. Yeah, but in 2011, correct.
0: I typed it wrong. I think I no, saw okay. 35. Um, that's so okay. that's something we really need to take note of because that was 2011, which is – you know, everybody heard us mention your kids are three and four. So that's pre-kids.
1: hmm Exactly.
0: So how does that feel? I mean, that, I mean <laughs> and that's a lot of years. That's seven years.
1: It is. Um, I don't know. That feels like the epitome of distance running because I've always said this, like everybody wants to be good yesterday, but you you just have to put in your time and realize that it can take quite a bit of patience, a lot of ups and downs, which I've had, but I've kind of just always had that unwavering belief that it would come around and and be possible and and also realize I'm on like a different path than maybe some of my competitor professional athletes who maybe haven't had kids or their kids are older than mine. Um, And I finally realized that this year and it made me very like proud of my own journey and realize that it's no one else's and I have to take ownership of that. So, um, that was, yeah, that was a very, I guess, great self-realization and and allowed me to, like I said, be content with the result and be happy that it came after all that time.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's like, even if you are the most confident, person and like, you know, what the direction of your life has been, sometimes it is hard to not let those uh, distractions, I guess, might be a good way to put it creep in like, oh, she's doing that or she's doing this, um, even if you don't want it to happen. And so to hear you say that, I mean, that I'm sure that's giving my listeners encouragement and it's giving me encouragement too, because, you know, I have four small kids and it's like, you can't, you can't look at what anybody else's path is because nobody's unique path is anything like
1: yours. For sure. Yeah.
0: Um, so I want to talk about New York, though, too. And by the way, I m- messaged you this on Instagram. I was sitting right by your boys in the grandstands.
1: Oh, that's so sweet.
0: <laughs> I know. I like it was so funny because I don't. it must have been the younger one. He was kind of like fussing about something. And I, was it your mom and a babysitter or a sister? Or, is that who they were
1: with? I'm trying to think it was. So, my stepmom and my mom were both in the sand, so I don't remember. Okay. And then, yeah, it's our daycare lady who takes care of them that was with them.
0: Okay. And I, I saw you yeah. post later that the daycare lady or I saw something that you said about her being there. So then, cause originally I thought it was a sister, but he was like fussing around about something. I was like, just, you know, I only had our baby with us. So I was just feeling like this freedom of not having a two or a three-year-old, you know? Um, yeah. and then Ben came up after the race, after you had finished and grabbed him and I'm assuming he was taking them over to you. But, um, my husband said, is, I think that's Ben Bruce. That must be Steph Bruce's case. <laughs> that's so
1: cute I probably was yep
0: okay so tell us about the race I mean because I want to talk about CIM and the victory there but here we have New York which you were hoping to do better than you did I don't know any other way to put it you placed 11th Um, how do you pick yourself up from that and say I'm going for it again
1: yeah it's really hard to describe New York but it was a very weird race and it just it kind of It went out in a way I didn't think it was going to because 2017 was very tactical for the women. And and I just said, there's no way that's happening again. And sure enough, it happened again. Um, And it's not that I wasn't ready for that. But I think mentally, I just didn't want that. I didn't want it to go that way because I wanted to run the full distance. Like I didn't want to be an easy jog or whatever, an Mm. easy tempo, and then a fast last 10K because that doesn't suit me as a marathoner. I'm best off just trying to run a pace and then trying to squeeze it down a little bit. But I had that scenario in my head. And so Coach Ben and I talked about when I could take risks and when I could make moves. And when the big move was made around, I think, 11 or 12 miles, that was just too early. And I think they ran... They ran maybe like a 5.18 or 5.17, which for us, we just said I can't run any miles under 5.20. That was kind of like my speed limit for to cover a move. So I didn't cover that. But then we decided if I got to 17 miles, which is First Avenue, and a move was made, I'd have to just take a risk and go then. And know that's exactly when um, kind of the pack that I was in started to push. And so I just put my head down and hopped in a line and I ran kind of some of the fastest splits I've ever run in the marathon but the only thing was it was from 17 to 21 as opposed to 22 to the finish and I really just ran out of gas um, by like mile 23 and so I was hanging on just trying to find the finish line those last three miles so that's more why it was a disappointment because when you don't feel like you're full of run the last couple miles it just feels like this long, grueling grind to the finish, um, where I had no reaction if someone went by me. And that's kind of a really, mm. um, it's a bad feeling in the marathon. So th- I think that's my, why it was more disappointing. I mean, when I look at the time, I think I, I ran two thirty fifty nine, which at that time was only a minute and a half off my PR and it's New York. Mm-hmm. And we went out, we went out very slow, but I got passed in the last 200 meters to move from 10th to 11th. That's the end of prize money at 10th. That's not being in the top 10. You're off the leaderboard. So there's just a lot of things that made that one finishing place like really sour, so to speak.
0: Yeah. When you came through, I thought you were in 10th. And then I I realized it was 11th. I was so sure you were in 10th. And then, you know, Roberta Groner was right behind you. And my thoughts were, oh, no, Roberta got 11th. And then I realized, oh, no, Steph got 11th. Um, Tell me about the tactical thing then. Because, um, you know, anybody I've talked to kind of says that felt like not a, a jog, but real slow at the beginning there. And so how do you decide? I mean, you can't go out in front of the pack because then you're losing energy all by yourself. So... So, were you kind of trying to figure things out there at the beginning?
1: Yeah, I, w- I was doing a lot of thinking, and which is totally fine. That early in the marathon, you can expend energy thinking. But the difficult part with New York is there are some races where the way the course is, the way the wind is, leading is not a problem because you get into your own rhythm, and that's fine. But how New York is, there's a lot of ups and downs. When you're when we were heading north up the island, like there was quite a bit of headwind. So in that sense leading didn't make sense. But also it's it can be very inefficient to do a lot of accordion change of pace, which is what we were doing. We'd run like a 545 and then we run a 605. And that just is not very comfortable way to run. Um so it took me until about 10K to just realize, you know what, you're just gonna have to sit in the pack and wait for the moves to be made. But the the other good thing is that's why you run New York because it's such a racer's course and it's not a time trial like London or Berlin. Um, and it's a very good prep for the Olympic trials because it's going to be a lot of moves being made, a lot of decisions. And so, you know, hopefully I'm just building up a lot of practice for those those later races in my career.
0: Yeah. Do you think the Olympic trials, do you think about that? Like, are people going to be tactical? Tac- tactical or do you think there's going to be people that are just, I'm going out to win from the start. What do you think about how that race will play out?
1: I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of different scenarios. I feel fortunate that we have the luxury of having, we'll have three women on the starting line. And so we will have our own race plan. Um, Obviously we all want to make the team ourselves, but you kind of have a little Arsenal in your back back pocket, knowing there's three of you to execute maybe a race plan that other people don't know about. Ooh, so your teammates, you mean? Yes, exactly, Kellen and Alphine. So that's what's advantageous about it. But no, I don't on a daily basis think about what it's going to be like. You just kind of prepare yourself to be as fit as possible. And um, yeah, we we like to pick a race plan on our team and stick with it.
0: So you finish New York. What are the feelings when you finish? And then, like the next day and the next day and the next day how do you how do you walk through that in your head
1: yeah, I was um it was probably the lowest emotionally I had been in a very long time after marathon, like probably a good five to six years because again, I had not run under two thirty for the i don't know uh fourth time, and I just was feeling like maybe this isn't my event anymore. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm an imposter and I I really don't belong in the conversation of of trying to be one of America's best because if that had been the Olympic trials, I would have been fifth on the day, you know, because there were four Americans that beat me. Mm -hmm. And so I I start to doubt myself a little bit because I felt like I put in all this work and I still wasn't able to deliver the result that I felt like I was ready for and that coach prepared me for. Um yeah, so I had a lot of bad uh, feelings and emotions that I don't recommend making any decisions in those mm-hmm. first twenty four hours after marathon because you just um you're not really talking very logical. And the good thing is my agent Josh and Larry and Ben, they were all just telling me that it was too soon, like I did fine. Um, don't be too hard on myself. And so I had to take the next two days to really like process it all and think about my career backwards and forwards. And then I did this New York times event on Monday night and I started to just even talking to people about my career started to make me appreciate like, again, the journey and the path I was on. And I was like, you know what, Stephanie, it wasn't that bad. I I know I wanted more for myself, but it wasn't a terrible result. And it's the best I could have done with what I had that day, and so by the time I got home, I just started to think about my future and how long I was going to keep running, and that's when I thought about CIM, and then I uh, brought it up to my agent and brought it up to Coach Ben, and then the rest is history.
0: Yeah, it's it's how do you get from that, you know, the mindset that you were really feeling, maybe I'm not cut out for this, and you, that imposter feeling that you're you're talking about um people feel that in their jobs you know this is your job um sometimes I feel like that in this this my job I'm like who am I to be you know talking to this person and what do I know um but then you can really like if you talk to the right people and give yourself the right kind of pep talk you can really get yourself in the frame of mind that says like well why not me you know
1: it's very true it is
0: Hey friends, I wanna jump in real quick and thank the Donna Marathon for supporting this episode. And it's a race that I'm passionate about. I'm really excited to go down to the Donna Marathon in Jacksonville, Florida, this February. It's the weekend of February 10th. It's gonna be a blast. The Donna Marathon supports the Donna Foundation, which supports people living with the disease and also funds lots of very important research in breast cancer. You guys may have heard the founder of the Marathon and the Foundation, Donna Deegan, on my podcast. If you have not listened to that episode, go back today and listen to it. It's episode 92 and Donna is a three-time breast cancer survivor. She is an amazing and incredible woman. And it's it is hands down of 159 episodes of this podcast, it is hands down in my top five. One of my favorite episodes. I was able to go visit the Mayo Clinic last year when we went down for the race and hear all about what they're doing. It's just a great organization. They're doing a lot of powerful stuff and I really believe in how they're doing it. I'm fundraising for them this year. The link to my fundraising page is in my show notes, lindsayhine.com. Would love it if you guys would help support what they're doing through making a donation to my fundraising site. If everybody listening donated five bucks, I'd be well above my goal which is $10,000, by the way. That's gonna be hard to make. So if you guys wanna help me support over there, go to lindsayhine.com, and the link to that will be in the show notes. If you wanna run the race, who doesn't wanna go to Florida in February? This Indiana girl does. Um, You can use the code LINDSAY15 for 15% off your registration of any of the races. There's a 5K, a 10K, a half, and a full marathon. We're also gonna do a meetup while we're down there a shakeout run. It's going to be a lot of fun. And there's just so many fun things to do down in Jacksonville that time of year. Another surrounding town I highly recommend checking out while you're there is St. Augustine. Beautiful old town with lots of fun things to do there. Now don't forget guys, Lindsay 15. It's not too late to sign up. There's a 5k, a 10k, a half and a full marathon. I personally am doing the half. So use that code Lindsay 15 to sign up today. Go over to lindseyhine.com to register. The link to registration will be over there. All right, guys. And don't forget, if you're looking for more content for me or ways to support the show, head over to my Patreon page, patreon.com slash lindsayhine. In the month of December alone, there were three bonus episodes. We had an episode with Chrissy Male, an ultra runner, a returning guest for the show. We had a bonus episode with Mario Fraioli. And there's a brand new episode that I just posted yesterday with my husband, Glenn, and it's 50 minutes long. So there will always be extra content over there for anyone who supports the show, and that can go directly to your podcast feed. All you have to do is add the feed to your podcast app, and there you go. It delivers directly there. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoy the rest of my conversation with Stephanie Bruce. So talk to us about your plan with Ben to um turn this around because it's super quick. So I assume you weren't doing too much, you know, hard working out, but you had to keep keep the speed there.
1: Yeah, you know, when I first um it was actually first through Josh, I texted him and said crazy idea question mark and then I said right <laughs> see I am and he wrote back yes uh not a great idea but tell me how you are physically and emotionally Interesting. and so that was a yeah it was a great thing that he asked me and then I explained to him and I kind of just told him what my thinking was and the reason behind it and he's like you know maybe not a terrible idea and I said I have to talk to coach Ben and I was nervous because I know how Coach Ben is, and he's looking out for my future, my career, and he was gonna say, "You're just emotions are talking, and this is this is not a very rational decision." So I'm almost like, "What's the point of arguing my side?" Um, but you know, the more I talked to Ben and and told him really why I wanted to do it, he he took some time to think about it, and then he texted me when you decide, he said, I'm on board with whatever you decide, like, if I want to go through with it, he's like, I'm going to be 100% on board. And he then he then texted me, like two weeks out, I'm getting excited for CIM, but don't tell anyone. (laughs) Because I think he wanted me to know that once he was on board with something like he was truly on board. And so he said, the biggest thing you're going to have to do is Be recovered by the time you're on the start line. We can't gain any fitness, but you have to be completely recovered from New York. So I took the first week totally off. So no running, no cross training. Um, Then the second week we ran, I think 45 to 50 miles. So it was four to eight mile runs. And then the third week I did two workouts. I did a uh, 40 minute fartlek, one time. uh, Excuse me, 20 times, one minute on, one minute off. And then I did an eight-mile marathon pace steady state up at Flagstaff. And then a 15-mile long run with the last three miles faster finish. And then the week of the race, just four days before, I did kind of a mixed workout of some 400s and two-mile tempos. And that was it.
0: Wow. That's how you turn it around, guys. That's how you get to <laughs> another marathon in five weeks. Um, the 15-mile long run, was that your longest run in between?
1: yes. Okay. And I only ran. I only ran about, I think, 75 miles the, the two weeks before.
0: Okay. So did you feel a sense of calmness in this like transition training?
1: I did. It was really strange. I just kept going back to all the hard work I had done for New York and I knew I was so fit and all those workouts that um, I put in and even New York in itself, like New York was the best workout I could have ever done. And that was only, you know, 28 days before CIM. So I tried to trick my mind to saying, okay, imagine you had a really hard workout and then you got a little injury and then maybe you got a cold and your training wasn't 100% leading into your peak marathon. So it's almost like I switched into that CIM was my focus and. I had just been building up and the last hard session was New York. And so doing that like gave me a lot of confidence. Um, And I was calm because I felt like I didn't have anything to lose. I didn't have anything to prove. It was just like getting a bib and being on the starting line and having like an opportunity.
0: I love that because I think sometimes people get nervous about a fear of failure, you know, like I'm putting myself out there again. What if I do fail, you know, Um, but what if you don't? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so tell me about how you felt during CIM
1: compared to how you felt physically during New York. I felt bad. Really? <laughs> it, yes. Um, it got hard about 10 miles in. Wow. So pretty early, yeah. Um, my legs were just heavy and my quads started to be sore. I was breathing fine, so like my aerobic capacity was was pretty great, but my legs were just obviously not callous because the difference is you marathon train and you run on tired legs and then you freshen up for the race. But I essentially was fresh the whole last four weeks. So I never had a chance to get fatigued again and come out of it. Um, So I knew that was going to be my biggest challenge. And I think that was mental because I knew I was fit enough. But how was I going to convince myself that even though I was tired at 10 miles and I had 16 miles to go that I could still do it? And that's all I kept doing. I just kept playing mental games, saying, like, just run another mile, you know, like get through the next aid station, whatever I needed to do to convince myself that I was going to be OK. Um, that's what I did. So it was probably one of the more um, mental marathons for me to run.
0: Was um, was Emma Bates, was she on your radar?
1: She, yes. I mean, she has had a great uh, college career. She's a ten-time All-American. She won NCA's in the ten thousand when she was younger, um, and then she really has had a great year starting from the twenty-five k champs, and then this summer she had a couple great road races, and then I knew she was third at the US twenty k, and then third at the ten-mile champs. But she was right behind Molly Huddle and Sarah Hall, so I knew her potential for the marathon was was up there, but. Even though like I was trying to win the race, I couldn't win the race by doing what she did and mm-hmm. going out. I had to win the race by trying to run the pace we thought I could run. And if she was going to go out, maybe she'd come back to me. But she had herself a day and never came back. Um, so hats off to her. But I couldn't worry about trying to race her. I, I just had to race the marathon on that day.
0: Well, and that's something that comes with your experience, too. Because would Stephanie ten years ago? Would you? Do you think you would have gone out and raced her?
1: Um, you know, no, and I think that's why the marathon ultimately is a good event for me because I have a very good, um, I guess, sensory data of what is too much. Mm. If it was a ten k or half, yes, all bets are off. You <laughs> you can make you can make rash decisions in those race races and those distances, and they don't catch up to you. But the marathon, like you, really have to ride the line that is your own. Um, And I think I've learned to kind of perfect that enough that I still wouldn't have raced her that early on. And hopefully, maybe if I had seen her, or she would have been within a minute with 10k to go, you know, that's when maybe I reel her in on a on a better day for me.
0: How do you think you learned that so early in your career, then with the marathon specifically?
1: I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's something that you're born with, or that, Sometimes the event chooses you, but I just started to realize when I was pacing workouts in college and even right after college, I would just have this idea that I could feel when I was, like, on the edge, and I had to back off that edge and kind of ride it in workouts, and I never went out too hard, um, just because, like... I just knew I got this feedback that told me don't run any faster than this. And then what would happen is I'd be able to run that the whole time and then I would be able to close off those paces. So I kind of realized that was the best strategy for me to just listen to my body and in the marathon, it's so great. You cannot see someone for 10 miles. And then all of a sudden, if you start running a few seconds faster and they start running 10 to 20 seconds a mile slower you make up that difference within two to three miles. Um, yeah, and so I just had races that like affirmed that for me and gave me great feedback that what I was doing was kind of the best for me.
0: So two twenty nine twenty one. Now, the question I'm thinking about is, what do you think? I mean, do you think you could have run faster at CIM had you not just ran New York? I know that seems like a silly question, but I'm just wondering.
1: Oh, yes. Um, That's the great thing is, again, yeah, I have to celebrate what I ran. And that was great. But I've had that confidence that I could run much faster for years. Um, I just needed it to come together. So having run 229 as my second marathon, yeah, in 28 days, it fills me up with it fills me up with a lot of confidence that uh, the next time out, I'm, I will go for it. And it's, there's a good chance it will, it will happen.
0: Yeah. So do you, do you think that you're going to take next marathon in the spring? Do you think you'll take to a flatter course or, or a more like racers course where you're Um, like, I don't know, like Boston type course.
1: Yeah. I don't know my schedule yet, but I do not think I will run a spring. That was kind of the, yeah, that was kind of the point of running CIM. It's almost like we, we got three marathons in, in 2017. And so I probably will skip uh, a spring excuse me, of 2018. So I'll skip a a spring.
0: Well, would you skip a fall too, though? Because that's coming into the trials. Um,
1: No, I don't think so. If the timing works out, we'll do one because basically the conversation we had with Coach Ben is I've tried to make the Olympic team uh, three times now and it hasn't worked. And just the way U.S. distance running is, I realize that there's a very good chance that I could run 225 on February 29th in 2020 and be fifth place Mm -hmm. because it is so strong right now. And I have to be okay that I could run the race of my life and still not make the team. And I do not want that to define my career because that's what it used to be you know, built on. And so the whole point was, there's so much I want to accomplish along the way. And up until that point, that I don't want to put all my eggs in that basket. Granted, that is the big goal. And I I want to make the Olympic team, but I want to crush some other races and um, really try to accomplish some other things before that time. Wow, that
0: seems like a very balanced and
1: logical approach. (laughs) I think that happens when you've been running for a decade, you know, and and trying to go after these these things and realize it takes a lot for it to all come together on one day. So you might as well give yourself chances in a lot of other areas.
0: Yeah. Well, that'll be fun, too, because it seems like a lot of people probably won't do a fall marathon. So that'll be interesting to see where you land there. Um, Now, talk to me about Ben racing, too, because you guys both raced CIM.
1: Yeah, it's funny. That was actually the plan for him the whole time. Um, and so when I decided I wanted to do it, the first thing I did have to ask him because I didn't want to all of a sudden like be like, this was his race. And then now I'm coming in because I was trying to help support him. But he was very much on board. He thought it was a great opportunity for me. Um, but unfortunately for him, he had a random parent accident where he was riding his bike with our four-year-old like three and a half weeks out and he was just making this little turn going up a hill and he was off balance whatever it was and he fell on his knee and it was so frustrating because it wasn't a running injury it was simply that and he missed a lot of training like he couldn't run on it for anywhere from like 10 days to two weeks total um and so he just missed like the crucial part of callousing your legs for the marathon. So even though he was very mentally positive and trying to hope the years of his training would carry him through, you know, he got to 19 miles, I think at 216 pace, and then it just fell off, his wheels fell off very quickly. So it was a really unfortunate race for him. But um, he's glad that a year ago, he had a broken pelvis, and now he was able to get through 20 miles at that level. Um, so he'll be back, but, uh, yeah, it was kind of a mixed day for us.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, cause he ran 224, right?
1: Correct. Yep.
0: I was wondering when I looked it up, I was like, I have no idea because I don't, I don't follow men's running. Like I follow women's running. Maybe I should, uh, but I, was like, <laughs> I have no idea what he was actually in shape for or trying to do. At that point he was probably thinking, well, at least if Steph passes me, I can cheer her on.
1: <laughs> right. I know. No, he, with all his other PRs, I mean, he's run 1330 in the 5k, he's run 6230 and a half. So all times that point, to him having yeah. the potential of running 215 or better, um, and I think he was going out to try to run in that 215, 214 area. But with the marathon, you just can't you can't get away with missing training, and unfortunately, he just missed too much.
0: Yeah, that's rough. Okay, so what is 2019? Well, we talked about this a little bit, but when you talk about taking the marathon off for, for the spring, what what's on your mind? What are you thinking you might do?
1: you know there's there's so many opportunities in the spring like we have a ton of road races a ton of u.s championships uh there's cross country there's track so we're gonna just take a look and really try to mix it up in a bunch of different distances like the 5k up to the half um we're gonna get back on the track i haven't run a five thousand in oh gosh seven or eight years so we're hoping to run a 5k on the track um And then possibly trying to run the 10,000 at USA's um, and qualify for the world team. And so that championships is at the end of July. So I think that would determine my fall marathon a lot. But yeah, we're just going to try to mix it up in all the shorter stuff and really learn racing again, racing people, um, kind of put away time and the clock and yeah, just get after it a little bit.
0: Yeah, you know, I interviewed Ben and we talked about that a little bit, like him having you guys do some of the shorter races. Now, what is your 5K PR?
1: It's, it's very funny for me. Um, it's 1549, Okay, but at, at USA's last year on the track in the 10K, that was my second 5K. Oh, so really? Basically, yeah. So I, I ran, I think, 16, gosh, what was it? maybe 1620 something, the first 5k and then 1550 or 49 high is what I closed in.
0: Okay. So does that, obviously you're going to go for a 5k PR, even though you said you're out there to race, like you can't not go for a PR, right?
1: For sure. Absolutely. I think it's just, we're more not like married to a certain number. It's more just a race and see if the time comes.
0: Yeah. And now what does training look like with your group as far as like Um, Will you be with Kellen and Alephine and um, any of the other girls? Are you guys going to be doing a lot of training together?
1: I think in the initial early 2019, I'll be with a lot of the younger gals, which will be really fun because, yeah, they just have this, like, hunger for all the new stuff and uh, a little bit of naivety about them which I love and so yeah Coach Ben's going to match me up with them and then depending on what marathons Alfine and Kellen run because I think they'll be running springs I might not match up a ton with them but I mean, we meet every day, so we all do easy runs together, long runs together, um, and then just knowing how I am, he'll probably throw me in with some of their long workouts.
0: Okay, you meet up every single day? Seven days a week? Every day,
1: yep. yep. Uh, six days a week. Six days a week. You t- Sunday, so, Sundays yep.
0: off?
1: It depends. If, uh, if we have uh, the way our schedule is, sometimes we have a long run workout Saturday, sometimes Sunday, so whatever day we don't have that is our day off from meeting.
0: Okay. So tell me what it's like being like, the word that comes to mind is like mama Steph. Like if you're running with all the like young gals and you have two kids, like, is that, do you feel a little bit of a mentorship role for them?
1: I think so. You know, and sometimes I have to check myself and be like, are you trying to give too much advice or are Mm -hmm. you trying to you know, and so I'll sit back a little bit, but it's hard because I, I just want them to figure it out earlier than maybe I did. Or, you know, I want them to not have to make mistakes. But I also realize that's part of the sport to go through and, and have these different, like, trials and tribulations and they, they build you up in the sport. And so, but I definitely do have that role. I just want to take care of everyone and make sure they're getting the most out of their career. Um, but then I'll also be like, Oh, but I'm a cool mom, you guys, so I can <laughs> hang out. <laughs> so I go back and forth.
0: I was just thinking about that today. Cause my babysitter that came is only 19 and I was like, Ooh, I'm 35. I'm going to be like double her. I'm like almost double her age.
1: I know it's
0: crazy. And my, I remember my first babysitter with my my oldest. I think she was twenty, and I was like twenty nine. So I was like, that age gap really wasn't that big. But now we're I know really <laughs> far apart here.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Um. So, but you said you said, uh, you know, you kind of want to check yourself, but also make sure that they don't make mistakes. Um. And that just makes me think of when you say that mistakes in your career is there anything that stands out to you that you think mm, I shouldn't have done that I wish I would have done that or is it kind of like a no regrets approach
1: i mean there are a couple of things like i i think after i ran 229 in 2012 like that was one of the top times in the marathon for us i think i was like sixth or seventh which right now it's hilarious i'm i think i'll just about be ranked top 10 with that time so we have we have come a long way but I I was so fixated on making that Olympic team in 2012 that I I just ran that race so stupid and I was so concerned about making the team that I didn't relax I didn't run my race right I I probably trained a little too hard the cycle leading in as opposed to just having the confidence that I was already at that level I wanted to like jump to a new level um trying to rush the process Mm -hmm. yeah and then I would say a couple of my early career races I didn't take a lot of risks because I was I always thought that people who were better than me were just better than me and I was never going to get at that level and then only this year is when I realized that I could just hurt more than I believed and changing that mental side of it made me Go with moves and made me run with confidence against people that I had never had the luxury of beating, and now I was able to beat them. So, kind of instilling a little bit of that into these ladies.
0: I love that. And you, you kind of talked about that with uh, Cim in your Instagram post. You said that you'd like to finish your career thinking that you got a little bit crazy and rolled the dice a few times. Um, is that something you think you wouldn't have done five years ago? The back to back.
1: For sure, because I don't know if I would have had the confidence to to make it happen and, like, believe in myself.
0: Yeah, and what do you do when there's critics? You know, I don't know if you had any critics on this move, but, like, what do you do when you hear people, like, say, like, oh, why is she doing that? She shouldn't do that. Do you just zone it out, or do you you listen at all?
1: I don't know. I actually think critics are cool because it means people are paying attention, Mm -hmm. and it means people actually care about the sport. And, like, I had someone say, like, but you are, you know, a contender trying to make the Olympic team in 15 months. Isn't that going to hurt your chances? And I'm like, that's pretty cool that, like, they at least think that. And so they're wondering if this was a bad move for me. Mm. Um, I, th- I think that's great for the sport. And hopefully it showed that I was okay because I did pull it off. Um, but I don't know. I look at it as, like, a positive, not really a negative.
0: So you, you, your fall marathon, you clearly, you want to break 229. Correct. <laughs> okay. Now that that's off the table, we know that for sure. All right, Steph, well, are you taking some time off during the holidays just kind of relaxing the rest of the month after vacation and, you know, celebrating your your 22921?
1: Yeah, it's been really nice. I haven't run a step since CIM and nice. we usually yeah, we try to take off at least 2 weeks and I'm sure I'll be very slow to get back into it. I might run like 20 minutes here or there over the next couple of days just to get my body moving again. But there's no real structure and the routine is gone, which that's the, I think, biggest thing we get to take a break from is I'm not doing core work. I'm not doing glute work. I'm not working on my hips. Like I'm just not doing Kegel exercises. (laughs) I'm just like not doing anything that like makes me a pro athlete. I'm just kind of living and enjoying time with my kids watching movies staying up a little later than normal um yeah so that's probably the best part of the break
0: what's your go-to beverage i noticed you were having a adult beverage on your vacay
1: um i do pinot grigio or um like sparkling wine like prosecco or champagne Mm.
0: and then what since we're gonna put this out right around christmas time what what are some of your favorite christmas traditions what are you guys doing for for the holidays
1: we are kind of just starting. I think that since our kids are so little, we haven't quite established traditions yet. Um, you know, my hope is that we always wake up in our own house so the boys can have Santa visit them. And then we like to just do things like go around the city, look at Christmas lights. Um, what else do we do? We haven't quite done like the elf on the shelf because a lot of my friends as older kids tell me it's a nightmare because yeah. once, once you start doing it then it becomes this huge task <laughs> so my husband's like we can't do that yet um, so that's pretty funny but I don't know I feel like we'll, we'll start making traditions uh, one of these years now and um, hopefully carry that throughout the rest of our lives but visiting family we're seeing Ben's family in San Diego we'll see my family in Phoenix probably on Christmas and yeah, just enjoy this, um, nice time together. I have not, I have
0: also not done the elf on the shelf and my oldest is six and I don't think we're going to do it. And I, (laughs) he, he, we have a little guy, somebody gave it to us and we've never used it in that way. We just like have it. And so he doesn't really hear us talk about his friends talking about it. So I'm like, I'm just not going to do it or say anything about it and keep it away because it does seem like sort of a headache. But I also hear people say it's a lot of fun too.
1: I know
0: I'm torn. All right, Steph, will you enjoy the rest of your break and congratulations again on the PR and, you know, overcoming the New York thing. I mean, I, I always just feel like there's a lesson from every marathon. There's something emotionally, physically, something we take from it. And clearly you had something to take from that.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Bye. Bye. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Thanks Steph for coming on the show and sharing your journey from the New York City Marathon to CM to what your future goals are. It was so fun talking to you per usual. Hey guys, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 I'd love to connect with you over there. You can follow Steph on Instagram. She is Steph Rothstein. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at Lindsey Hine, and you can find me on Facebook. I'll have another podcast with Lindsey Hine. Any information we talked about today will be in the show notes, lindseyhine.com. Don't forget to check out Coro's, my new favorite GPS watch. Head over to coro's.com and use the code ANOTHER for 10% off your order. And get signed up for that Donna Marathon. It's going to be so much fun. There's a 5K, a 10K, a half, and a full you can use the code Lindsay 15 to get 15% off your registration. All right, guys, I hope you had a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and I'm looking forward to a lot of exciting things in 2019. Thanks for sticking around and listening to my show this past year. I've had so much fun growing with you and getting to know so many of you. Have a great Friday, have a great rest of your weekend, and as always, I'll see you next Friday.